Well, hello again to the men of Amen. It's good to be with you, brothers. I guess we're not really with each other right now, um, but we are enjoying the fellowship of the Spirit, even as we're studying God's Word together, whether it's on a Wednesday evening or you're doing this at 6.30 on Thursday morning. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27. We're going to be looking at the last few verses of that and then all of chapter 28. I don't know if y'all have had this experience, but Lynn and I have had this experience over the last um, several weeks. Uh, obviously, we're all going for walks a lot more than maybe we, sh- we have in the past. And Lynn and I have been doing that, trying to do that every evening. And we've run into people in our neighborhood that I didn't know lived in our neighborhood. Um, and, but it is encouraging. It's encouraging to see these people. It's encouraging to see that, that people are out for walks with their families. I've just seen more and more families, and, and that is really fun. We ran into a woman um, just the other day, and we had never met before. We'd seen from a distance. She actually lives several blocks over from us, and she stopped us, and she said, Hey, are you um, are you that, that pastor that lives across from Angela, uh, our neighbor across the street? And I said yes, and Lynn introduced herself, and she just wanted to share with, with Lynn that she had battled cancer. Um, and that had been 13 years ago. And then just two years ago that she had had a a significant brain tumor and that she had battled that. And then she said this, I I commented to her, I said, wow, um, Kathy, you've, you've really gone through a lot. The Lord has really taken care of you. And she said this, yeah, you know, in my life, Todd, I just think God wanted to show up and show out. And I haven't stopped thinking of that phrase. In fact, I've thought that's what we see here in Genesis. Um, that's what we're seeing over and over and over and over again. He's God's making it clear in the history of Genesis through the patriarchs that this is not going to be done uh, by a human doing. And God is going to show up and show out and make sure we understand always that it's God and it's not him. It reminds me of that verse in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 42, verse 8, uh, God says this, I am the Lord, that is my name, I will not give my glory to another. Um, God intends to show up and show out. He intends that as we look at his word uh, this, this morning. So I'd like you to begin, I'd like to begin by reading verse 41, and we'll read through the end of chapter 28. So twenty-seven forty-one. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called for Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away and your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets that you what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you here from there. Why should I be bereft of both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite, Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like one of these women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, 
Arise, go to Padan Haram in the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessings of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went away to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take a wife from there, and that he blessed and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So when Esau that when so when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wife he had, wives he had, Mahathalah, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And you in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Brothers, this is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to sit under your word. And we would ask now that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would teach us what you want us to understand. Father, help us to understand what it meant in an original, its original meeting. Help us to understand what it has always meant throughout all of your word, throughout all of time, and help us to understand what it means for us as you are speaking to us at this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think this passage that we have before us 
divides up very neatly into to three sections, as I've put there in the notes. And I think it begins with this sinful mess that we see um, as a result of the, the conflict between Jacob and Esau, um, between the favoritism shown, uh, result of the favoritism shown by Isaac and Rebekah. Um, you really do have this mess. And now because of the, 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 the blessing that was stolen by Jacob, uh, Esau is, is very angry and he plans to kill uh, Jacob. And Rebecca, seeing this mess and thinking, I, I, what am I going to do to protect my, my son Jacob, whom I, whom I love and, and you know, not have this problem with Esau? What am I going to do? Um, she's thinking, I'm going to send Jacob to, to Laban, which, by the way, was way back up north in Haran, where Abraham had settled, or Abram at that time had settled when he first got a call from God. So this is far, far away from where they were currently living. But she also realized, like some of our wives realized, that she can't just tell uh, Isaac, hey, I need you to send Jacob away. She actually needs to make Jacob or Isaac think that it's his own idea. And so she does that. Uh, She goes and she says, listen, I'm so worried about Jacob marrying a Hittite woman like Esau has married these two Hittite women. They have caused such a mess, as we learned at the end of chapter 26. In our family, there's so much tension. I just couldn't stand it if he marries a Hittite woman, a woman. And so what does he do as a result of that? He says, "Okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and and, uh, I'm going to send her uh, him, excuse me, uh, to uh, to Laban. And I'm going to command him that he cannot marry a Hittite woman, that he has to marry someone uh, from that place. Um, brothers, I'm going to make sure my video here is still going. There we go. Sorry about that interruption. Um, and so he goes ahead and brings in Jacob. He, Isaac does. He brings in Jacob and he pronounces what is the the Abrahamic blessing on him. He uses those words in verse three. He says, God Almighty, which is El Shaddai. And, uh, and he pronounces that blessing again, affirms what he knows God is going to do, but then he sends him away. Uh, he, he sends him away from his inheritance. He sends him away in a journey that we'll find out will take 20 years, and Rebecca will never see her son again. She'll actually die before, before Jacob uh, returns. Well, Esau hears about all of this. And Esau thinks, okay, I, I, I got to figure out a way to get back in my dad's blessing. I got to figure out a way to to redeem something that's happened here. Again, he he's not thinking about God. He's only thinking about how do I how do I fix this mess that I'm in. And he actually makes a, a more of a mess um, because he thinks, oh well, Dad will be happy if I marry uh, someone who's not a Hittite woman. So I'm going to go marry uh, his his brother's daughter. I'm going to go marry Ishmael's daughter. Again, it's just it's just cultivating in all four of these characters just this this mess of disobedience, this not trusting God. It's trying to help God out. It's looking out for themselves. And even Jacob, I mean, he's just fleeing. He's not he's not necessarily obeying God. It doesn't seem like he's thinking about God. He is just scared for his own life and Listen to his mom. Hey, you're supposed to go here. Listen to his dad. So he just flees. So he sets off on this journey. And that's where we pick it up again, or pick it up in verse 10. Uh, so we have, first of all, this sinful mess, this absolute mess. And it's going to lead to something else. 
But before we leave that, I just want to say, brothers, um, haven't we at times created our own sinful messes? Maybe you're experiencing that even now where you've created a sinful mess in your home or in a relationship in your business. Um, and, and we're tempted to do exactly what uh, Isaac, what Jacob, what Esau, what Rebecca have done before are doing now. And that is not trusting God, not going to God, but instead trying to figure it out themselves, trying to piece together with with the wreckage that they have, their own thing, and never turning to the Lord, which of course, what does that do for us? It just creates more messes. It just makes it worse. And then what does God do in the midst of that, in your life and here in this text, in Jacob's life? Well, it's astounding what God does. Because Jacob Jacob deserves, Jacob deserves just a, a good moment of discipline. He deserves, um, he deserves God saying, Hey, listen, sit up, son. I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to deal with you because you are so far out of line and we got to get these things straight. It's not what God does. Instead, it says in verse 11 that he, that he came to a certain place. Um, that's that certain place is a, is a, is very important. In fact, if you turn back in your Bibles to chapter 13, you're going to see that this certain place already has uh, significance in the life of the patriarchs. See, it says in verse chapter 13 of Genesis, verses 3 and 4, it says that Abram journeyed from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place where he made an altar at first, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. This place already has significance. I'm not sure if Jacob knew that yet, but it's going to be significant for him as well, because then what happens? He has this dream. Now, it's not just a dream like we have dreams. No, he, he knew that this was special, that God was doing something. That's made clear uh, in the text. God was not just giving him kind of a, a, a dream like we have, a vision like we had. No, God was revealing himself uh, to Jacob. He was speaking to Jacob like the word of God speaks to us. And he speaks to them by this vision of this ladder, and probably better described as a stairway, um, a stairway to heaven. I know some of us know that song, um, and it's probably from this passage that we get that idea of this of that song but there was this stairway and uh, and this stairway uh, to heaven was uh, full of angels going up and down on this stairway and um, God was above it all so God's above the whole thing and and they're going up and down the angels because they're doing God's bidding between heaven and earth but it's interesting as you think about this stairway because it immediately reminds you of the attempt uh, by the people of the earth to earlier in Genesis build their own stairway to heaven, build their own um, pathway to God. Remember they said we're going to build our own pathway to God. And of course, that's impossible, that our own sin has, has made it impossible for us to build anything towards 
God, to, to reach God, to speak to God, to access God, only if God in his love and specifically in his grace chooses to reveal himself, do we ever know who God is? And right here in this place, we see that. Because God, despite, despite Jacob's mess, his sinful mess, God is pouring out grace as he reveals himself through this stairway, through the words that he is going to speak. He's opened up uh, this way to see him. God has made a, a way known uh, to Jacob. And what, is, what does God say to this self-centered, cowardly schemer? What does he say? Well, look, look what it says in verse, verses 13 through 15. Look at those things. It says, first of all, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. And I'm the God of your grandfather and the God of your father. And then he says this, the land on which you lie, I'm going to give it to you, Jacob. I'm going to give this land to you, to your offspring. The promise of your grandfather Abraham has now come to you. And your offspring, that your family is going to be like the dust of the earth. They're going to be so so numerous, and they're going to spread out from the east to the west, the north and the south. And not only that, but in your descendants, in your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, the, the, the people of your family, and we'll learn more what this means as we move on through Genesis and through our Bibles, but they are going to be a blessing to the entire world. It says that all the families of the earth will be blessed through your family, Jacob. And then he says in verse 15, and this is powerful, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Astounding words, again, for this self-centered, cowardly schemer. What does God give him? God gives him grace upon grace. The grace here is overwhelming. It's as if heaven has been split open and, and grace has just rushed out and poured out upon Jacob. And brothers, I cannot say this enough to myself and to all of you. This is who God is. When God reveals himself to Moses later on, he reveals himself as the compassionate one slow to anger, abounding in grace. Later on in Romans chapter 5, we, we see the description of this grace. And, and God's word says, where, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. But we don't have to wait till Romans to see this, because right here in Genesis 28, we have seen all the way up till verse 9, the increase of sin. And then in the midst of that increase of sin, God's grace abounds all the more. There is this word of grace that interjects into this sinful mess. What happens after that? We see in, in verses 16 through 22 that there's this response of worship. Jacob responds in worship. And how could he not be overwhelmed with God's grace? It says, 
he awakes, verse 16, and he said, surely God is here. And you want to go, yeah, no kidding, Jacob. Of course God is there. How could you not see that? That's a, a no-duh statement. And then he says, this place is awesome. Again, yes, of course it is. And then he makes two other amazing statements. He says, this place is none other than the house of God and the gate of of heaven. The house of God and the gate of heaven. We're going to come back to that before we wrap things up this morning. But I want to look at the worship that Jacob that Jacob does here. And I want us to, to, to notice that he could not help himself but to have a worship service. That the grace of God just forced out of him worship. And that's what grace does. And so Jacob has, as we see here in these verses, a a small worship service. There's elements even of the worship that we do when we gather together for corporate worship. There's physical actions of of setting apart the time and the place and even the elements. There's a a sanctifying that takes place. So verse 18, in the morning, he, he took the stone and he put it up as a pillar and he anointed it with oil. He was saying this spot, this moment, this time is going to be set apart for worship. And then he makes what is really an affirmation of faith. He says the name of this place is going to be called Bethel, which means house of God. Even though the name was Luz, he said, no, no, no. This place is Bethel. This is the house of God. That's an affirmation of faith. He's, he's making a statement of faith like the, like the Apostles' Creed. Um, or responsive reading in, in Scripture that affirms our faith. And then he, he makes a vow. And I know some of you uh, like to read uh, different commentaries, and that's great. It's very helpful for our study of God's Word. And, and if you've read some, you'll notice that there is some a little bit of a debate um, as to whether or not uh, what we see in verses 20 and 21 are actually, um, are actually uh, Jacob— um, you know, really repenting and understanding his need for God and responding to that? Or um, uh, is it just the same old Jacob saying, hey, God, if you do this, then I'll follow you, making a bargain with God? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think, I think to, to cut Jacob a little bit of slack here, I think Jacob is worshiping God the, the, the best way that he knows how. That's what he's doing. He's, he's worshiping God the best way that he knows how in this moment. And yeah, there's some if-then there that is, that is not great, um, but the focus is God. The focus is the, 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 the Lord God, and he's trying to worship him by saying this vow. It's simple worship. It's, not, it's wonky worship. It's not exactly right, um, but it is an attempt to worship. And he, and he even takes an offering. <laughs> He says, God, I'm going to give you a tenth of all my possessions, everything that I have, everything that comes to me. I'm going to give uh, an offering to you from that. I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure that I worship you through my possessions. What an uh, astounding encouragement it is for us, even as we experience God's grace at different times, to understand that grace ought to elicit from it uh, itself worship, that that's that is the natural response to being overwhelmed by God's amazing grace. 
Well, as we wrap things up this morning, um, I want to point out that though that though Bethel was a significant place, and we'll see it come up again as we study through Genesis, it was it had uh, it was a special time, a special place, excuse me, in the in the time of the patriarchs. Um, but eventually, it fell out of importance. Eventually, uh, it, it stopped being a place of of worship. Um, it had moments with uh, David and and the Ark of the Covenant, but by the time of of Christ, it was it was not a place of worship. That had all shifted to Jerusalem and the Temple, and and that that place became the house of God, the Temple, the the gate of heaven. That was the place where God spoke, where God's presence was. But we know now that even that is gone. Uh, there is no, there is no temple. Um, there is no, there is no place where where we say, well, that's the gate of heaven. That's the house of God. Um, that specific spot. It's not in Bethel. It's not in Jerusalem. It's not at the temple. Um, so what's what's going on there? Well, it's because God ultimately had a plan all along for the stairway to heaven for the house of God, for the gate of heaven. And this week being Holy Week, it's just a perfect time for us to be reminded of this amazing truth of how God's grace comes to us. It comes to us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me as we close out our time this morning. Turn with me to John chapter 1, John's Gospel. And you remember at the very end of chapter 1, John is is uh, calling disciple. Excuse me, Jesus is calling disciples, and he's going to call Philip and Nathaniel. And uh, as he calls Philip, uh, as he found, he calls uh, uh, Nathaniel. Uh, we know that Nathaniel had said earlier, um, "Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. I'm not going to come. I'm not going to come talk to this Jesus guy. I'm not going to follow him." But then. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said, Behold, there's an Israelite right there who, who doesn't lie. That guy's not a liar. He is honest. And it says this in verse 48. Nathanael said to Jesus, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree, and I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Listen to this, brothers. Verse 51. And Jesus said to Nathanael, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The designation for Jesus Christ in the Gospels by Christ himself was that he was the Son of Man. And he says here in John chapter 1, verse 51, Nathaniel, you're going to see a stairway to heaven and angels descending and descending, and that stairway is me. I am the stairway. Later in John's Gospel, Jesus will just say it. I am the gate Jesus will say, I am the temple. 
brothers, it's Jesus. There is no, there is no special place. There is no Bethel somewhere over in Israel. There, there is no uh, Jerusalem temple mount where only God will appear there. No, instead, brothers, it's Christ who dwells in you if you put your faith in him. And, it, and, and in the midst of us having to be in our homes and not even being able to gather on Easter Sunday, can you believe it? And yet, do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged because it's not the place, though places are important. You see that the house of God is, is Jesus himself. He is the temple. The gate of heaven is Jesus himself. And the stairway that, that is Jesus himself. And what Jesus is saying to us today, if you've put your faith in him, is the same thing that Jesus said to Jacob there that night all by himself in Bethel. And this is what he says to us. Jesus says, behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to my home, to heaven. For I will not leave you until what I have done, what I've promised you. Brothers, that is the truth. Jesus is the stairway, the gate. He is the house. He's with you. He's with you now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we would ask that you would take these words, that you would seal them to our hearts. Father, remove whatever is unhelpful and not and not clear for understanding your word, but amplify everything in here that is important for us to know that is your word, that is your voice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, until next week, brothers, may the Lord bless you.